0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another IACast episode. This is episode 102, and I'm Michael Doeys, and this week I'm here with Allison Hartley. Hello. Jeff Bishop.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: And Aaliyah Dudley.
2: Good something. Good day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we have a very exciting episode uh, about technology and how to build computers, and maintaining a computer, but first, as normal, we have the news to go to first. So, I will leave this to more experienced explorers than I. On, <laughs> yeah, that was awesome, wasn't it? Uh, on the new Ira plan. So, Aaliyah, do you want to go ahead and start off with that?
2: Yeah. So, Ira has introduced some new plans to replace their older plans although people who are current explorers will have the opportunity to stay on their plans or upgrade before i believe it's december 5th 5th is it like that. yeah um and the new plans are there are 4 of them i believe it's like 30 minutes is it a 100 minutes, 200 minutes and 300 minutes?
3: I think it's how it goes. Yeah, for- it's 30 for 29.99 if you only want to use your phone, no glasses and then the rest are like 124 99 which is the one I went with, then I think one then 200 and 300 and I don't know the exact price points on those
2: right and if you already have horizon glasses and are just switching, I don't think they're going to make you... They're going to up your price. If you've already got the horizon glasses in hand, you should be okay. And so it would be 99 for the 100 minutes. And here's a couple of kickers. Those who were on the old pro plans, or not pro plans, unlimited plans, unless Ira has contacted you specifically, you're going to get... 700 minutes per month and if you ever move off that plan your highest tier is 300 minutes the other caveat is that you cannot purchase add-on minutes so you you were able to purchase 50 extra minutes for 50 dollars in the past now unless you are on a couple select plans you cannot do that the only option that you have is to upgrade and so it's interesting and folks i do not claim to be an expert on ira and so any questions that you'd have i'd strongly encourage you to call them email them yes um please contact them because they're going to have the final say on everything. So I just personally, I struggle with this because I'm on the back to school program. And so I can't change my plan right now, even if I wanted to, which I can't afford to. And so what happens when I get off that plan and would, you know, theoretically have liked the old Unlimited plan or the seven hundred minute plan.
1: So, what does the back to school plan give you?
2: The back to school plan gives you two hundred minutes, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. I think it is.
1: the The other real gotcha on this too is the Horizon glasses are six hundred dollars. Yes, or twenty five dollars a month.
2: Twenty five dollars a month—that
1: is expensive. Until
2: you pay them off.
1: No, I understand, but six hundred dollars. Is that a reasonable price for that? I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm really asking well, that. I don't okay. know.
2: So I think the majority of the cost comes from the phone that yes. the Horizon glasses are attached to, which is a Samsung device.
1: Oh, that's a good point. That's so a good point. So it's,
2: okay. it's not the Galaxy S series. I believe if we... It's a J7. It's a, it's a J7. Yeah, it's a J7,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah, I have one of those. Mm.
2: So, I don't know what those retail for, but
1: yeah, but that's even let's say it was $300. That's really not bad if you look at it that way. I wasn't thinking about the phone part, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, the glasses are probably by a pretty reasonable price,
2: 600 is a little much, but um, that would be a lot, that would yeah. be a lot, but you got to figure in the phone, the glasses, and the app, which they're promising will be able to do more later, and so. If you're in a position to, I wonder if buying Horizon outright may be your best bet because yeah, eventually be. would Chloe be able to do offline OCR and things like that that you might not need Ira minutes for? That's Ooh, my You know, opinion. there's
1: another piece. Yeah. Well, there's another piece of this announcement this week. Did you hear about the Sendero Um uh,
2: Yes. Situation? Ira did acquire... Um, and along with the San Francisco Lighthouse is going to be continuing Sendero product development. So that's a very yeah. So
1: they own the mobile app, very apps now,
2: interesting right? thing. I wonder if that's going to be incorporated into Chloe. Well,
1: um, that's sort of. I heard a podcast uh, with with uh, you know one of the people at Ira, and they were saying that yeah, that's the plan. Is that they're going to try to bring some of the GPS technology into Chloe.
2: That could be good. Also, two big site access announcements this week. First, all Walgreens are now Ira site access locations. So even if you don't have a subscription, you can get Ira service at Walgreens to assist you with shopping or picking up a prescription and also the yeah, Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys stadium is now an Iris side access Ooh. location. Um that was
3: one of their bigger announcements this week as well.
0: So, we've had I'm a- really excited Go ahead.
3: Sorry. I'm super excited by all these different site access locations because that was always my big thing. Like, what if I go to a big sporting event where I want something described and it's going to take forever and eat up all my minutes and stuff like that? Or what if I want to do a longer shopping trip? And, uh, you know, because Walgreens has a lot of stuff. So I'm excited because I could use IRA to get an Uber to Walgreens and get my stuff and get an Uber back home and not use very many minutes.
1: The other really cool thing is, uh, I don't know how many of you have done this in airports, but using Ira in the airport is an incredible oh, experience. It's
2: amazing. I can't it wait. Really, it's, it's it like is. It,
1: it's like a godsend. I mean, you know, to be able to independently go through an airport and oh man, you know, I'm flying in amazing.
2: about four weeks, and I am so excited to be able to use Ira in the airport again. It's so much nicer than one asking random passers by where everything is. Or which mm-hmm. I don't mind. Honestly, I really don't. It's it's fine. But once they start grabbing you then it's just whatever. Or two, getting airport assistance, which can be hit or miss. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: honestly Well
1: the beautiful thing yeah, well, the beautiful thing is like just being able to go get a drink or find yes. restrooms or find go the find a restaurant.
2: restaurant get yeah, cr- all
1: that stuff. I mean, that's the neat thing.
2: I have an I mean, hour just- layover in Atlanta and I'm going to do it with Ira. I'm not yeah. going to, because it, they should be, the two gates should be in the same terminal because I'm not switching carriers or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I should be in the same terminal. I shouldn't have to deal with the plane train and the escalators and all that. Which I wouldn't mind, but I only have an hour. So um, <laughs> I'm going to have to kind of book it. But if I can find food on the way through, because I'm going to be hungry, all the better.
1: Absolutely. It's so weird going through security, though. I mean, the oh, security people odd. really don't know what to do with blind people without someone there to help. You know, oh, they're like, "Are you sure awful. you don't need assistance?" Like, "Yep, I'm perfectly fine." They're like, I'm "Are you annoyed. sure?" I'm like, "Yes, I'm sure."
2: And and you it's know, funny and, when you oh tell the agent, "Like,
3: okay, you're going in the basket."
1: Yes, yes, yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. That must be very. I imagine if you have
3: pre-check, it's even nicer, though, because you don't have to do as much.
0: That must be interesting for the agent to be able to see like through the machine as you're. <laughs> as they're going <laughs> through, I I kind of want to be on the agent side to watch that visually as a low vision yeah. person. Just to they see say it's that, visually
1: so. very cool because really? you know they, they can see themselves go you know moving through the the you know the whole process.
0: That's really neat. Um, so a lot of neat changes from Ira, some good, some bad in perspective cases. So you should talk about what you can see on the site still. So one of one of my friends actually told me that they were looking up these new plans, and one of the things that they found was links to the old plans as well. So there's a lot of information on the Ira website that conflicts with with itself on what their plans are. So I think uh, this is one area where Ira could use a little bit of assistance is getting their uh, plans and information synchronized so that they stay current. So, let's move on to our second news topic, which is very explosive by nature.
2: And it's not Samsung, guys.
0: No, it's not. No, and it's a hot no. topic, too. Yeah. Ouch. No. <laughs> uh, there seems to have been a explosion from an iPhone 10 going through the iOS 12.1 update. Now, this is an isolated case, But it's interesting that iPhones can do it, too. So, you know, Samsung got known for that. But, uh, you know, just apparently the person was charging their iPhone with the bundled cable and charging block, which is a very low power charging block. And it – he said he picked it up after the update was done. It was hot. He put it down, and it started smoking and caught fire. Oof.
1: You wonder there's got to be more to it than that. Like – yeah, had they you like wonder dropped if the cable is bad or, you
0: know. well, or,
1: or did they get a surge? Or, well, and the, the other mean, thing
0: to keep in mind here, too, is there can be defects in the actual device. Sure. Uh, sure. Every yeah. device could have, you know, the processor or the cooling system on the processor could be malfunctioned. And, you know, if it interacts with that battery, you know, anything can happen. So,
1: Or a defective battery. I mean, look, right. I mean, these are, you know, it's... There's always a chance for error, right? So... They're, they're they're built by humans, generally. Apple says that part, this was not an expected
0: behavior, and so they asked that the person send the phone back.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yep. So that is truly a uh, a bit of a fiery topic there for that person.
1: Michael, we should talk a little bit about Black Friday. It's coming up here in just a few days. Yes, it is.
0: And uh, of course, it actually comes this year right before my birthday, so I'm really excited about that. Well,
2: I mean, I already bought. What do you want for your birthday? So you know.
0: (laughs) I love all the nice shiny tech out there, but I don't know. (laughs) He wants
2: a new Echo Dot because he only has a first gen.
0: I actually do have only a first gen, so I am looking to upgrade. that. Wow, really? Yes, I'm looking to get the third gen.
1: Because based on what Santa will bring you one.
0: Based on what I'm, I've heard from your third gen uh, Echo uh, Dot, Jeff, it sounds really nice compared to the...
1: Oh, I love it. I I love it. Uh, it's it's really loud, and it's got... A, I don't like a lot of bass, and it, it's okay. It's it's bassier, but not, you know, really, really bassy, so I really like that.
3: Oh. And, you know, you can adjust that, too.
1: Yeah. You can. And... There's an equal... Yeah, you can do... yeah. And But even with the treble all the way turned up and the bass turned down, it's still a lot bassier than the second and first generation.
0: Interesting. So, one of the things that you will not be able to get Black Friday is the Amazon Tap.
2: Yeah, no more tap. Really? Nope. Is, is it going away? It's gone.
3: <gasps> oh, no.
2: Yeah. We have two hmm. of them, and because... Combining households and things. But yeah, no taps.
1: Wow, I hadn't heard that. Yep.
0: We looked on Amazon, it was not there. The other thing you will not find, because it's officially all of it is officially gone, is Apple's networking equipment.
3: Bye bye. Bye bye. I got rid so, of that a long wow, time ago. Wow, even
1: that's interesting. So all of them? Yep. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So
0: On to the good things for this year. Amazon always does really good sales on their TVs. And this year they've switched from the Element TVs to Toshiba. And I believe there's one other brand that they're using uh, for that for a different size. I don't remember which brand it is, but you can look up the Amazon Fire TV Edition TVs at Amazon.com, and those are amazing TVs. We have one. Allison, you have one. Do you have one, Jeff? I, I do, have I one. Have so that should tell you something. Everybody on this podcast has one. So <laughs> they are amazing TVs. They'll work with your Apple TV. They'll work with any game device you have, and it the Apple TV will even turn on the TV when you use the Apple uh, remote. So, that's pretty awesome. Those are good Black Friday deals, and of course, I'm sure they're going to lower the prices on the on the Echo devices. So, all of those will be discounted. And what what do you guys look forward to for this Black Friday?
3: Tech. What do you get for the Allison who has everything? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> I'll find something. <laughs> for the Hartley Tech Museum. Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, you know, last week we all talked about, well, all of you talked about, it. I wasn't on the podcast, but you all talked about buying computers. And really, this time of year is fantastic for for buying a new piece of uh, gear. Uh, and all of the manufacturers are going to have sales, right? So Dell and Toshiba and, uh, you know, uh, all the big players.
2: Not Apple. And
1: Microsoft, of course, is, well... Oh. They always offer something, though. It may not be on the actual device, but they always tend to do something. Yeah. And they have extended return policies now, right, for the holidays. They do. Isn't that true? Yes, they yeah. do. Yeah, and so they... Best Buy yeah. tends
2: to discount older uh, Macs pretty right. severely. Um, that's how I yeah. got my first MacBook Air, actually. It was Best Buy. I had them for like $850, and then I upgraded the hard drive, I think, in mine, or the hard drive of the mm-hmm. RAM, I don't remember which it was, and got... a a better machine. Um, but it still was a couple hundred dollars under the actual price of a new, a new MacBook air. That's how I got my first Mac.
1: What I found though, is that Best Buy is a great place to go looking at things that you might be interested in, but you're not going to find the exact models say online from, you know, Dell or Lenovo or other places like that. So, you know, um, Go to Best Buy, take a look at it to at least get an understanding of what you think you might like, and then do lots of research online. I think that's really the best way to to handle it. And then purchase it online. Don't, don't fight the crowds, guys. That's yeah. really what it's all about is, you know, do as much of the purchasing that you can do online. You know, finish your turkey dinner and then put your feet up and go surfing. You know...
0: One of the things that Microsoft does every year that I always really look forward to, and I am going to take advantage of this year, is the 12 Days of Christmas deals. 12 Days of Deals, I think they call it.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they're doing that. And, and by the way, I do work for Microsoft, but I am I know nothing about what the retail channel is doing. I did receive in my personal email a notica- notification about um, their Black Friday deals. And boy, there's some great, great deals out there. I think it was something like $300 or more off of some of the Surface uh, devices. and oh, But, you know, all the manufacturers are doing this. So, um, you know, just take a look at what you might want to get and then, uh, you know, go from there. And I heard like 75% of all Xbox games are going to be on sale. Don't
2: tell ooh, Michael that. Just,
1: ooh, just crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff, right? So it's a great time of year if you want to get some tech you know, now is the time to uh to do it. So keep an eye on blackfriday.net and oh I you know, haven't heard a, about that there's a number. Wait, what's of, that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. There's a there's a lot of really great sites out there. So just, you know, uh nine to five Mac and nine to five toys always talks about all the Apple stuff and and, and Google things as well. So you know whether you're on the Android side or on the iOS slash Apple side of things, then you definitely have stuff to to uh, go look at. And if you're on Twitter, just really utilize that as well. You're going to see lots of people retweeting deals. And, you know, it's a great time to be a tech enthusiast. And if you have some cash to, to buy some new fun toys, then by all means, this is the right time of year to get started. And because of this great
0: segment on this show, we will, we promise, make sure that this show goes up before Black Friday.
2: Yes, yes, yes.
3: Excellent.
2: Hopefully by Wednesday. Yeah.
0: That's yeah, our before Turkey peaks. Day. Yep. So you can spend your wonderful Thanksgiving time listening to us talk about Black Friday.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if Eye Accessibility is going to have any Black Friday specials. It's entirely possible.
0: You'll have to wait and yeah, see. stay we will, tuned. We will send out some notifications in the app as developments arise. There you go. So one of the things that we've been bouncing around a bit in the iAccessibility uh, board and management team is to do a podcast on shortcuts. And we are going to do just that. And what we're going to do is we're going to do... A podcast first on how to create a shortcut which we already kind of did but there's going to be something new to this it's also going to be on our youtube channel as video as well so we're going to have it done with voiceover and we're also going to use video so our low vision and regular sighted users of all of the eye accessibility products will be able to experience this podcast and get just as much out of it as our audio listeners. So, very exciting about that. Um, We've talked about calling it the IA Shortcast, but I want to see some other name recommendations for this because I think, you know, I want to get our community involved and get, you know, you guys' opinion on what it should be called. So, we're very excited about this. So, can't wait to show you guys what we have for this podcast. So, keep tuned in to iAccessibility to learn more. Now, to our main topic. And that is building a computer and maintaining a computer. Who in the group here has built a computer or seen the inside of a computer? Oh, I have.
3: I've seen the inside. I I custom built one on a website once. That was cool, picking all the the processor and the RAM and it was pretty it was pretty um the customizations that I could make were pretty fine tuned down to the different fans that I put into it but I had it built for me I didn't actually do the building
0: one of the things that is amazing about this thing this topic is computer building has a lot of parts However, one of the things that's amazing about it is, is that it's not impossible for somebody that's totally blind or, you know, anybody. It's not impossible. Building a computer is quite easy, wouldn't you say, mm-hmm. Jeff?
1: Well, I, <laughs> I, uh, I'm not the best hardware person, but, I mean, I, uh, I can do some really basic things, but I know blind people. In fact, one of my closest friends uh, does this still even today and, you know, rips machines apart and, you know, even adjusting jumpers on motherboards and, and the whole bit. So, no, this is definitely possible if you have the aptitude to to want to get your fingers in there and, and get to work. So it's, it's, it's not impossible at all. Nope.
0: I mean, guys, I'm a low vision computer user, but whenever I'm building a computer, I do not use my vision at all.
1: Oh, it, that's interesting. It is yeah.
0: possible to completely tell what part you're using By touch alone so let's talk about what's needed to build a computer so we all know about the specs that we hear about on a computer we have the case of course we have the motherboard we have our processor we have our ram we have all the uh and and just so people are clear we're actually talking about pcs a tower here guys because laptops are great, but sometimes you want something a little more beefy that you can have at home to run as a server or for media or for any number of things. And so all the parts that you buy are built to fit a certain case. And so terminologies are important. Uh, you typically want to start with your case. What kind of a case do you want for your computer? Do you want a big machine? They, I've heard of them called... Um, Micro cases, like micro ATX, Uh, just a regular tower case, like a regular. There's mid-towers, and there's high, typically known as server towers. And these are meant to be used in home environments. I used to have a uh, mid- to high-tower server case, and that thing was awesome. It had like seven uh, bays to hook uh, plug-in cards, and it was amazing. It was a blue case, too. I called it the obelisk. (laughs)
1: <laughs> what what about the really tiny ones though these really low profile cases i think shuttle sells one mm-hmm. i think they're still around those are the um, micro atx you know, are, the, are they okay i didn't i, I wasn't sure they were, but, uh, those are really nice especially if you want to put them in like an entertainment centers
0: mm-hmm. yeah those are good yeah. think of those as kind of like your mac mini and you could yep, build those exactly. as- it, mm-hmm. It's a little more difficult to get your hands in into the machine. but those yeah, they don't def- have as much expansion. Right, And but they're definitely usable. And they still use desktop parts, but and there is a difference, guys, between desktop and laptop parts. So we have your, your graphics card, you know, we're going through the different parts, your hard drives, and your CD drives, if you want one. And some cases even come with a device to hook up expansion slots. So Or expansion uh, media like your SD cards and things like that. So it's important to know. Can we talk
1: about the processor first?
0: Sure, we can. Well, we haven't even gotten to the motherboard. That. Yeah. Okay. Past past the case, your motherboard is what defines your computer. So your mother, your motherboard and your case go hand in hand because you buy a case to fit a certain motherboard. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Now, you can have a smaller motherboard fit a bigger case. It's just you typically want to have as much uh, expandability as you can if you buy a certain case. Does that make sense? Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when you buy a motherboard, it's kind of what they call the logic board, which is just old-fashioned people like us, me and Jeff, right? They still call it a motherboard. (laughs) Yep. Though That board has where you plug in everything, um, whereas on the laptops, as you typically hear, a lot of these things are actually soldered on the board. But we actually have cables that connect our hard drives, our CD drives, and, and, and even our power button to this board. Once we buy everything, we also then get a processor that is also designed to go on this board. And and you know you get a board that's designed for AMD or Intel. You have to pick, and once you yeah, do that's the- where I
1: wanted to talk about.
0: Yeah, go ahead, Jeff.
1: So, what do you think, Michael? Uh, AMD or Intel? I mean, it's really interesting to see, you know, how how competitive both of these guys are. Although, it, I feel like Intel is slowing down in reference to, you know, get the the changes in their chip. Um, sure, there's there's eighth generation processors, but those things have been around for about a year now and AMD I don't I, I don't know what their last generation of, of chip was but do you have an opinion on which one that you would prefer?
0: Because of me being a gamer. I prefer the Intel because Intel and Nvidia typically go hand in hand um, mm-hmm. and I'm more I lean more towards the Nvidia uh, designs. Whereas AMD and uh, AMD actually has their processor and graphics technologies uh, in one company because they bought a company called ATI.
1: Yep.
2: Well, you but know do you what? think
1: going AMD would be okay though?
2: I'm partial to AMD
0: because those are my initials.
1: <laughs> ah, I love that.
3: <laughs>
2: That's,
0: That's <funny>. true. <laughs> I love that. I'm, you know, earlier, whenever I was actually building most of my computers, I used more AMD because the Asus boards that were accessible would use AMD chips. They would actually tell you if the RAM was working or if the processor was working actually through your speakers. You would say, power on self-test confirmed, now booting operating Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that. It was amazing. Um, And that's why I became a big fan of the Asus computer line because they were great to me whenever I was building computers. And so, um, but, you know, now I've, been used, If I were to build a computer, it would probably be an Intel Make just because of the Intel-NVIDIA uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. But I think if you were to go AMD and the Radeon for graphics, I think you would have just as good of a uh, machine. It's just preference as far as uh, games and different things for me. But one of the things that you have to do when you're building a computer and you're using a processor is you actually have to cool the thing. If you ju- if a processor yep. was just on a board and did not cool was not cooled, it would burn up. Yep. So, you actually have to use this heat sink gel to cool down the processor and then you put a big metal heat sink with a fan on top of that.
1: Now, what do you think about the like water cooling cases and you know that type of thing now?
0: For you know, it, and I could be wrong, but I feel like that's more for folks that want to overclock their computers, that want to run it at high performance all the time. Uh, but it does allow for your computer to be at a higher uh, rate of running, like a higher runtime uh, threshold as far as heating as than compared to just regular cooling systems.
1: But are they quieter than regular fan technology? Do you think?
0: I the ones that I've heard are not because you still have fans. You have fans and the liquid cooling. Oh, system. that's
1: interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I I thought they didn't have fans in those.
0: They do because they still have case fans. You may not have a processor fan directly, but a lot of them still have case fans. Okay. Which are the real ones that make the noise?
1: Right. Exactly. Now, now, Allison, didn't you get a really big, beefy box built for you like I a year did. or two ago?
3: Yeah, it's it's Jeremy's computer now. He's using it for for ah. his um, audio production. But um, I got one from Adamant PCs, and I did not go with the liquid cooling because it was going to add quite a bit more to the price, and it already was quite expensive anyway. But I went with a really nice processor fan. I went with like double or triple like a bunch of case fans to keep it to keep the air moving. I went with like 128 gigs of RAM, 2 terabytes, some Holy crazy cow. processor and Wi-Fi card. It was it was a beast. It has a DVD RW drive. Um it's it's a good machine and the is whole it process. It it is fairly quiet. Um it's not it's not silent um but it's fairly quiet and the tower even though they called it a, a a mid-sized tower it's still pretty big it was it's hard to move i i had a i have a hard time moving it um yeah. but it's cool cuz it has like this magnetic sheet thing on top of it and you just take that off and you can look at the insides of the of the pc and it's got all these cool, like lights that flash inside of it. Apparently, you could see and you could see through it. And hmm. um, apparently, it visually it just looks really cool. But yeah, the process of if you want to have a PC built for you and you want to have control over what you get, um, adamant PCs is is
0: really good. Yeah. So, Jeff, what kind of computers did you build when you are when you are building machines?
1: Well, you know, I, when I had PCs back. Uh, quite a long ago. In fact, this machine right over here, sitting next to me, is a it's a it's a really old machine. It's an AMD dual core <laughs> machine. That's that's why I'm looking at buying a new uh, new computer. Actually, um, so I never really bought, say, a mainstream device. They've always been sort of you know just a quote clone and just sort of pieced everything together. And uh, the 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 cool thing about it was I had friends to help but also my kids you know grew up around technology and even at a very young age you know uh, my son Brian even at eight nine years old was you know mounting motherboards and you know mounting ram and machines and you know he was he was already really big into this stuff at a really early age and, and really my other son David was as well so we did all kinds of stuff I mean uh, you know put put stuff into machines and swapped out ram and video cards and even you know motherboards on occasion and devices and we were we were always tweaking and playing with with things it's uh you know uh, when you have a family of of geeks in the house pretty much you didn't go three months without tweaking something around the house
0: you know and that's the thing for me i always built computers and ever since you know i switched to apple i have not built one and i really miss doing so it's a it's a fun activity for me. It's very relaxing. and my my one tip for c- new computer builders that's very important and it's amazing this tip. If the cable you're trying to plug in does not fit with a little bit of with just a little bit of effort, it doesn't fit at all. It's nope. very It's very interesting because on a computer, each cable can only go in one way. There might be multiple places to plug something in, but you will always be plugging it into the right spot instead of it not plug, instead of breaking the the device.
1: Yeah. So, well, what about hard drives?
0: So, hard drives are, you know, we talked about those as being a part you need. On the PC, uh there's a PC uses a drive that's 3.5 inches uh long, I believe.
2: And not a floppy disk.
0: No. No. Uh, <laughs> laptops use two and a half inch drives so there is a difference mm-hmm. but they use the same kind of connector it's called sata s-a-t-a serial a-t-a and basically these drives are very fast and um now well, i
1: well no hold on because there's two types <laughs> okay right i mean, I mean you got to be really careful about this so if you're if you're really looking at you know, building a brand new computer, you want to make sure you get you know a solid state drive. Oh yes, right. Yes, you, you really don't want to go back to the fifty four hundred or seventy two hundred RPM. I was getting you know, to that spinning yeah. disks. You definitely uh, want a solid I mean,
0: state.
1: You know the the two greatest things that you could do to boost performance in your machine are are uh, you know a solid state disk. That's probably your very first thing, and then RAM. You could probably even get away with going with even a, a lower end processor if it came down to money. I would rather see someone put money into a solid state disk and RAM rather than the processor itself, because the bottleneck is truly throughput on the bus. Right? It you know, um yes, the processor is important, but for most things, unless you're a really hard you know, high end gamer or you're doing lots of statistics, or you're doing AutoCAD type stuff, you know, really intensive graphic type stuff, you're not going to max out a, a, you know, a quad core processor for most people's needs, unless you're doing software development, or, you know, something like that. So put your money into solid state disks, and, and RAM. And then, you know, if you can afford, say, an general i7, you know, top of the line i7, then by all means do it. But I think it's, you're going to get a bigger bang for your buck and, and be interested to see what Michael thinks uh, in, in investing your resources in those two other areas first.
0: No, I totally agree with that. That's, that's very a very good point. And you know, even your graphics are not even handled on your processor. If you want, Mm-mm. if you're going to do well, something... Well, it can. Right, it can. But if you want to do graphics-intensive stuff, you want to get a good graphics card. There's no yep. real need to get a good sound card anymore. A lot of motherboards already have Oh, I
1: don't know about that. I don't know about that one. Uh, th- you know, a lot of these motherboards are using really really Really? You know, they're all using the same, you know, chipset these days and I think if it if 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 you truly care if you're an audiophile, um yes, you could get away with the sound card on the motherboard, but really you know, spend that $39, 49 for, you know, an onboard sound card. Honestly, you'll really be thankful for it.
0: So what does that give you that the onboard motherboard card does not?
1: Well, I think you get better drivers. I think that's the really key thing, you know. Generally, you're going to get more... Uh, well, you're going to get less latency, potentially, with a, a dedicated sound card. Generally, the manufacturers like Turtle Beach or or uh, sound blaster or, you know, uh, some of these other guys, I I think the drivers tend to be a little bit better, um, on those, on those devices. And you also tend to get more features on those sound cards as well. Uh, you, you tend to have more inputs and outputs on those cards. So it just depends if you're, if you're just, uh, someone that needs really basic sound and you don't really care, then sure, by all means, the, the onboard sound card's just going to be fine. And by the way, you don't have to do all this at once, guys. So you could build the computer, use the dedicated sound chip, you know, on the on the motherboard, you know, for a while, and if you find that you need more, then go out and get it or and and even use external, you know? There's there's nothing wrong with that either. In fact, there's some um people who might say that a that an external sound card is even more flexible. So it just depends on what your specific needs are. Just getting the machine built and all of that, I, I think a dedicated sound card is just fine. Laptops, this is a much, much more difficult problem because um, you, you don't have as much flexibility unless you want to add an external sound card to the to the laptop itself.
0: Right. And now the the big issue is the graphics. If you are going to be doing a lot of graphics and gaming and those kind of things... You're looking at a graphics card that is going to take up two, count them, two of the slots or on three. your motherboard. Yeah, possibly three.
1: Yeah. My son bought one of those. My son Brian bought uh, over $1, a $1,000 graphics card, oh. and uh, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. It was unbelievable. The thing was amazingly big. <laughs> it was <And> just crazy. <laughs>
0: do you all know why graphics cards are so expensive for PCs?
1: I don't know a lot about them.
0: They're coming down in price, but they were used for a long time in mining Bitcoin. Mm. Oh,
1: yeah, you're right.
0: Uh, Yeah. So people would buy up all of these graphics cards and put them together to do processing because a graphics card can almost do more processing than your processor on your computer. Mm. So they have their own dedicated fans and they are loud. They are some of the loudest cards that you'll get on a computer.
1: Oh, they are very loud. Oh, yes. Oh yeah, and they get very hot. Yes, they do. Yep. They and when those very, fans very go, hot. it
3: makes a terrible noise. I found oh, out. Oh, they do. They make a very
1: go. yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, and by the way, if the if those cards go out, uh, it creates very interesting situations when you try to boot these devices.
0: Right. Uh, yes. One of the one of the other things that's important is to get the when you look at a computer, you have to buy a power supply. That's also a very important part. And you want to get a power supply. don't be skimpy on that. Right. Don't be skimpy because it can ruin your computer if you Mm -hmm. have too low. So um, just get yourself a good quality uh, uh, power supply. I think I have a um, 1100 watt laying around here.
1: Yeah. And so... My rule of thumb is look at all the things that you're going to put in and then double it because you don't know what you're going to add in the future.
0: Right. So, then, once you get all of these components connected to your motherboard, through SATA, through PCI, which is the expansion card slots, through uh, attaching the processor and uh, doing all that, the mount you mount the drives in the drive bays, up, hook up the cables, and then there's little jumpers that you have to hook up. This, to me, is the biggest pain in putting together a computer. Jeff, how have you gotten a good way around figuring out where to put your power button your lights and all those
1: yeah i haven't i pretty much have asked other people to help me with with that but i want to take a a step back and talk about the mounting of drives i think if you're going to be building your own system i think you really ought to consider hot swappable drive bays so that you can quickly pull drives in and out and even while the system is on um so you don't have to worry as much about mounting them inside the case you basically just slide these things in and out if i were to be building a desktop today that's exactly what i would do i i would want that level of flexibility
0: yeah i would probably put one drive in the internals area and then do, it, do what you're saying jeff to cope with the inaccessible jumpers one of the things that i've that you could actually do and People may think this is unsafe, but it actually works just fine. You could take a flathead screwdriver and tap the jumpers, and if it makes the right circuit on the right two jumpers, it will power up the computer. What? Yes.
3: Oh, interesting.
0: So you can Hmm. use that technique to figure out where to plug in your power jumper. I don't
1: know. That sounds a little frightening to me, Michael. That like you could well,
0: get electrocuted, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> believe it or not, I don't know, guys, Michael. <laughs> believe it or not, guys,
0: a computer on the inside, once it's converted that AC power to DC, really does not have a lot of juice to get you. And when you're if you're grounding yourself by holding your hand on the side of the case of the computer, the electricity is not going to go into you. Uh, because you already have the computer plugged into a grounding source. So, taking that flathead screwdriver, pu- putting it across those pins, closes that circuit, and causes the computer to start.
3: Wow. That's terrifying. But if you say yeah, so. Yeah. I don't know, Michael.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love you, man. But uh, <laughs> I've used that trick
0: for a long I don't know if time. I'd be
1: tapping things with a screwdriver. <laughs>
0: I've used that trick for a long time.
1: All righty. Well, you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> How much hair does he have there, Leah? None.
2: Well, yeah, I was going to say, there yeah, must be well, a there reason you go, his head's see? bald. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but honestly, and, and that is an important thing, too, when doing this, is safety. Let's talk about that yep. for a minute. You know, there, when you're working on a computer, you are working on electrical components. The first thing I want to say is never put your hands inside the power supply. That thing has capacitors and different Uh, things that can and will cause bodily harm. Uh, Even after it's unplugged and turned off because it holds the electricity in for a large amount of time. So never open up the power supply of the computer. Um, This is... I, I can't stress this enough. Now, there's two other things that you can do. A lot of people like to wear a grounding... Bracelet where you put it around your wrist and it's attached to something else that keeps you grounded I don't find a point in using these because as long as you have your hand if you have the computer plugged in The switch on the back turned off You are grounded So as long as you have your hand or touch the case first then put your hands in the machine Then you will not cause a static buildup and hurt your computer so That is how I've kept myself safe working on computers and I have never ever had electrical problems due to my hands inside of a computer. I've been more afraid of a fan getting my hands too close to a fan while working with the computer on. Jeff, is there anything you would recommend for safety from your experience?
1: I would just make sure that when you're when you're building these that you really have a really clean and lots of really clean and safe place a nice big table where you can spread things out. Don't be doing this on the floor, you know, you know, that kind of a thing. It gives you opportunity to be really organized about what you're doing. And, and also just to, to just make sure that things are done right. You know, you don't want to have a problem with, uh, you know, cabling or, or mounting issues within the, within the case because that could be problematic. Um, you know, so you just want to make sure that as you're doing this, that you you put yourself in a good place to be able to be really effective and uh, very cautious in the way that you're that you're doing this, especially when you're dealing with hardware. And leave everything in its static bag unless you unless you're physically handling it to put it in the device. You know, uh, there's always a chance of static electricity, and you just don't want to have that opportunity to have that be a problem anywhere.
0: Yeah, don't be like Michael and leave components in drawers without static bags for years and years. Oh,
1: gosh. Yeah, I don't do that, Michael. <laughs> I've done that, too. Yeah.
0: Every computer builder has done that.
1: Seth, I, I think there's some in this bottom drawer over here, actually.
0: <laughs> I still have screws, uh, leftover screws from computers I've built in the past in my junk drawer. Yep. Um, but the, other, the the one nice thing about building a computer... That you'll find in in I love this. You really only need one screwdriver. A standard Phillips screwdriver will build the entire machine.
1: Yeah, that's pretty true now. That used to not be the case, but yeah, that's pretty true now.
0: Ever since the early two thousands, whenever I was building computers a lot, that's what I used. That's all I needed. Yep. And I still back in the
1: day, they used to use little tiny ones, and you know, yeah, that was fun.
0: I still to this day carry around a Phillips screwdriver just in case I need to do maintenance work on somebody's machine. So now that we've talked about a lot of what's needed in building a computer, let's talk about how to maintain that machine now that it's built. And we're planning an entire topic on computer maintenance, but it's important to talk about that here because these machines are important to us. They are very awesome devices. So, um... One of the things that I, I would recommend doing is honestly keep your computer in a clean environment and keep it in a nice, cool environment. To me, that's very important for the welfare of your machine. Also, sometimes open it up and, and use some compressed air. Wouldn't you say, Jeff? Have, have you used that on your Yeah, machines? I was just going to
1: say, I think, the, yeah, I think the magic bullet on hardware maintenance is a can of compressed air. You know, I think a lot of times you're going to notice that if you're having overheating issues or, you know, things like that, if you notice that your machine is running really hot, and you can even tell that with, without even opening the case. I mean, if you're in front of it and you can f- physically feel heat coming out from that thing, you know, you got a little bit of a problem. You want to at least look into it. And I found that the best thing you can do is open that thing up and blow air through the fans. You know, there's probably a lot of dust and all that inside those machines. I don't care how clean your house is, you know, dust particles are everywhere and it's really one of the best things you can do and and canned air is cheap, you know, plus it's fun to play with. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what else would you do, Jeff, to make sure your computer is uh, good? You, well,
1: you know, I think if you build it well and, and you have a really good heat sink on the, on the Processor, um, and you have really good fans in the in the case itself. I think there's not a lot of hardware maintenance that you really need to be, you know, too concerned with. I, again, I think just, you know, maybe every six months or so, blowing some compressed air through the fans and and just, you know, uh, using some software tools to monitor the. The heat inside the machine and how the processor is doing and that kind of stuff. I think that's really your best thing that you can do here. It's all about how well you build the the hardware though and what you what you invest in when you actually do this. That's really what the key is. If you don't put enough uh, fans in the in the system, you know, or if you don't have really good cooling. Yeah, you're going to run into a lot more issues. So just be really effective and plan well. I think that's the key—the key thing. Don't skimp out on cooling. I think that's the, the the key thing here, especially if you're planning on using a higher end processor, uh, you know, or or even a, a really high end dedicated uh, a graphics card, and even some of the sound cards. Some of these, you know, really high end sound cards can get warm too. So that's really the best advice I can think of.
0: Allison, is there anything that you've done on your computer, uh, you and Jeremy's computer, to keep it maintained?
3: Um, I haven't, to be honest with you. I have. I just bought it, and uh, and I have not really um, opened it up, but beyond realizing that that medic- magnetic sheet could come off and show you the inside of the computer, I don't know what Jeremy has done since I gave the computer to him, but. For me, I mean, I definitely see the value, and I'm certainly—I know—I'm not talking much in this podcast, but I'm learning a heck of a lot from you guys, so that if I do build a desktop down the road, I'll—I'll I'll be able to do it um a lot more safely and in an informed way.
1: What else do you do, Michael?
0: I, me personally, what I will do is I will, whenever I build a machine, the compressed air is very useful. Also, typically, what I try to do to help with cooling is if the machine allows for it, I will actually space out my components away from each other. So, if I have a computer with the uh, seven expansion slots, okay, and the first two at the top are taken up by the graphics card, and I have a sound card that also needs to go, I will not put that card next to my graphics card. I'll put it two or three slots down, assuming that the Ports allow for that because now they have different speeds of PCI buses on the board. So if it allows for it, I will not put it right next to the high power card. And for two reasons, one is heating and two is so that you don't have as much data going to the same part of the board at the same time. Same with hard drives. Mm. I will actually put, uh, if I'm going to use the lower bays, the internal drive slots, I will split those up so they're not next to each other as well.
1: Yeah, I found that a lot of heat comes from internal drives. don't know that we have that much of a problem with solid-state disks, though.
0: Well, the one thing that you have with solid-state disks, and people may not agree with me, is you have, um, what's the word? It's, it's interference. They give off a lot of interference, and it's actually audible. If you put your ear your, oh, your up yes. to a uh, solid-state drive, you can hear it making noise while it's on. So That's even fascinating. Even, yeah, it's like
3: an, like, I It's almost like never a TV that. noise. It's mm-hmm. high-pitched.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And mm. so I will put those far apart just to make sure that the interference doesn't go between the two and cause issues. I wonder why
1: it's doing that.
0: It's high, uh, it's high power writing and reading from electrical components, so it's giving off uh a actual noise as that's happening
1: yeah but your computer doesn't do that when it's reading and writing from from ram and it's pretty much the same thing it's
0: I've never put my ear up to a stick of ram before so I don't know ah! yeah well no that's a good point. <laughs> that just sounds weird that's <laughs> a good point
1: that's a good point <laughs> no Man. i just, I just find that interesting you you, you would think that wouldn't but anything electronic, I guess, could make noise. Right. That's another good point, though. You know, sound cards can generate lots of noise, uh, you know, and and especially if you plug in, say, to a, a line-in port on a sound card.
2: Jeff, that, I would think that, that your is... point would be pretty obvious, sir. Sound cards do generate a, no- a lot of noise. That's what they're no, meant for. No, I don't mean that. <laughs> but I mean,
1: they're... Gotcha. Yes, they do. But, but they're... But they also will will pick up lots of noise on the bus itself, so if you plug in to say a line in if you have a really noisy bus on the on the uh, you know motherboard you you may tend to hear a lot of that come through as artifacts on the sound card itself that's true and that's really so, difficult to deal with
0: so like like I said we we will have a whole podcast on this topic but I want to since Aliyah and you and Allison have been pretty quiet what kind of questions do you guys have now about building a computer that we can possibly maybe answer
3: oh i don't know i'm just wondering really price-wise i mean when you consider the cost of your time and everything i'm just wondering how much you really save building your own versus for me going for something like an adamant or buying something off the shelf it this sounds like sounds like something you have to really want to do it's not doesn't necessarily sound like something that's going to save you a bunch, in either time or money. It sounds like something you want to do because you want to do it.
1: Well, I think that's the key principle here. I think that you can pretty much buy things very competitively now. Um, the reason why people do this is because they love to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally would say you're not going to save a significant amount of money doing this yourself. The key thing about doing it yourself is you get to pick and choose the hardware components that you want. Um, And if you truly care about that and you're a perfectionist about it, then that's going to be important. But Mm -hmm. for the majority of people today, I think they're pretty safe in purchasing, say, you know, a Dell or, you know, whatever device they choose. They're all pretty much going to be the same some of them are using better components than than others. I would say that if you are going to buy a computer off the shelf, I would strongly encourage you to look at the business line of products rather than the consumer line of products. You tend to get better hardware put into the business line of of devices because they they have to. They they're meant to be used in a, a much more rugged type environment rather than you know a home market where you know, a device, even a laptop A laptop might just sit, you know, uh, on a desk or, you know, be used in at the kitchen table or whatever the case may be.
0: You know, it's been my experience over the years that, uh, yes, you could buy a Dell, you could buy a Lenovo, you could buy the name brand computers. But like Jeff said, mm-hmm. unless you get the business line, you're not going to get quality components. Now, right. the... No, not is, always, though. Not always, but the issue comes with if you want those business line, those good quality components, you're going to pay more. And I found that you can actually buy more those same components at wholesale or OEM prices on Newegg for a lot cheaper and put them together for a lot cheaper than you would actually be spending on that higher-end computer.
1: Michael, I think there's two factors here that have to be considered when people are making a decision whether or not to go ahead and get involved in building their own hardware or own computer. The first thing is, we've talked a little bit here about purchasing products. Um, the, The key thing here is, if you decide to build your own computer, then you're ultimately going to be responsible for fixing it. So if that's okay with you, then by all means, go ahead and do that. But keep in mind that if it breaks down in six months, you can't pick up the phone and call Dell or whoever and say, I need you to have someone come out and fix this. If you feel that you have the aptitude for this, then by all means, go right ahead and do it. I think that would be just fine. The other thing is that when you're building these devices, there is a really significant factor of time. If you you really don't care about that and that you don't consider that as part of the cost, then it's okay. But some people do. You should really consider a, a, a significant full day of time and probably not more than, you know, it's way more than probably eight hours of time really here. Uh, and that doesn't really include all of the software maintenance and all of that. So just th- think about that when you're deciding, do I want to take the responsibility here and Also, the fun because there's also that too of wanting to build my own computer and then be ultimately responsible for maintaining its hardware and you know keeping it moving forward. So, those are just two things to think about,
0: yeah. And I think the other thing that comes into it as well is the you get you do get the customization. So, there's so many facets that there's pros and cons to everything you do, and so you have to decide for yourself what is. The right thing for you. What is, uh, you know, I find building computers to be one of the most relaxing and stress-relieving things on the planet. So, but for, for others, that's not the case. So, you know, the feeling, well, let me put it like this. When when you get that feeling that when you build that computer and you're ready and it's in a case and the case is closed and it's hooked up to power and you press that power button and you wait for it to try to boot. And when it boots up and says, ready to install Windows, that is the best feeling ever because you put it together. It's yours. It is your creation that you spent time and effort on and you created it. And that's what it comes down to is the creativity. If your life doesn't allow you to take that time to do that, that's something you have to look at. But I can tell you that the how rewarding it is to put that together is worth it. Uh, and I don't know how. I don't care how many computers you built, or at least that I've built. The creativity of watching that thing come to life when you press that power button is worth it. And well, I, Michael, I, go ahead.
1: That's a really good point. But you really have to be patient too, because if you run into issues where things are just not quote working, you really need to make sure that you can handle the stress of that, because that can be pretty stressful. It can. So just. Keep that in mind, too. That's yes. another thing that if you can't deal with that well or you do not have the ability of really thinking through of you know all the scenarios that need to be thought about when you're putting a machine together, um, then that's another factor you have to think about, too.
0: Right. It's a very problem-solving, intense, critical thinking yes, process. Yes, exactly.
1: Yep. Be so, very methodical, mm-hmm. very logical, you know. Um, very puzzle if you can if you're a real puzzle type person then by all means dive right in if you think you can do it yeah it's fun
0: it is so do you guys have any other questions or want to bring up anything else
3: um nothing else i can think of i'm I'm gonna stick with adamant pcs i think <laughs> if i need another machine she's pretty adamant about <laughs> that i'm like i'm pretty adamant about that
1: yeah mm. <laughs>
0: Well, and, and, and you know, I'm sure that, uh, you know, we could find a way to here at I Accessibility to get you one built, too. <laughs> you know, I love building PCs, just saying. Um, <laughs> all right, so um, I don't have anything. Uh, Jeff, do you have any final comments, Aliyah?
1: No, except for picks.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that will do it for the episode. Let's move on to our picks for this week. So uh, let's go ahead and start with you, Jeff. And also after your pick, tell us where people can find you online. But I know you have a pretty awesome pick to talk about. I'm interested to learn about this. So take it away.
1: Yes, I'm extremely excited about this. I have not been as excited about a piece of tech uh, in a really, really long time. And I will tell you that for me, it has been significantly life-changing uh so the tech i want to talk about is the freestyle libre um this is a a glucometer um it's a continuous glucose monitor and you when you purchase this you can buy the uh meter as well as the sensors that you wear so um right now I'm wearing a sensor it is injected into your arm on the back side of your arm. I tend to put it a little bit uh, under my arm so that it's sort of tucked out of the way so it doesn't get bumped. It's a very accessible and easy thing to do. Uh, I had my wife watch as I you know did it for the first time just to make sure but uh, it's it's very tactile you you know you can just line stuff up it snaps together very easily and injecting yourself very easy Uh, but the the most exciting thing about this is not the sensors themselves because they've been around a while and people have been using things like seeing ai and envision and other apps to read the screen of the meter because the way this basically works is that for people who can see they can basically take this meter and hold it up to the the, the actual sensor, it's all based on NFC and the meter will vibrate and then display the, the reading on, on the meter itself. Well, if you have an iPhone seven or later, I don't know about the SE uh, devices, but uh, the sevens and eights and the tens for sure have NFC capability built into them. And now you don't even need to buy the meter. You can simply use your iPhone or your Android phone. This also works with Android, although I have not tested the accessibility of the Android app. Uh, so that's interesting. I'm, I'm hoping to hear from someone on this. But basically what you do is you download the Libre, L-I-B-R-E, link app, and you link it uh, to this to your uh, account. So you create an account. And then when you first inject these sensors, depending upon which sensor type you buy, there's two different types. There's the there's the 10-day and then the 14-day sensors. The 10-day sensors require a 12-hour setup time. So what it's basically doing is it's it's acclimating to your body. And then the 14-day sensors, these just came out just in the last month or two. They only require an hour of setup time. And so when you first inject, the sensor, you scan it either with the meter or your iPhone, and then it activates the sensor and gets that clock starting. Once that's done, then you simply will launch the app, you tap on the check glucose button, you hold your phone near the sensor, you don't physically have to touch the sensor with the phone, you can, it's fu- perfectly fine to do so. Your phone will make a, a sound as well as give you, you know, a double haptic Sort of sensation. And then you can pull the phone away and you can configure it in two ways. You can either use voiceover to be able to read the reading. You simply flick to the right twice and it will tell you what the glucose reading is. Or you can turn speech on and the iPhone will announce the actual reading to you by the time you pull the phone away, it's announcing to you what the number is. I have found though, that when you do that, when you turn on uh, the speech mode in the app, it cuts off any other, you know, audio that may be playing on the device. So if you're listening to uh, a podcast or a song, or you're even in team talk, then team talk or whatever you're doing will get cut away and, and then brought back when it's done speaking. But the, the life-changing thing about this is no more finger sticks. Um, you don't have to worry about blood placement. The sensor uh, basically uses the fluid uh, where your cells reside, just to, just beneath the skin, and that's how it gets its reading. Um, the the app is 100% accessible uh i i you can go back and look at all of your log history it's it's absolutely amazing and the frightening thing is that you really learn about your body pretty extensively here about what foods your body reacts to i've learned more about my eating habits and <laughs> sometimes good and sometimes not <laughs> uh and what it does to blood sugar by by, by this and the other neat thing is you know, for me, getting blood on a strip was really difficult and testing. So I wasn't doing it, you know, as often. So it's going to allow me to be able to be tighter on what, what I eat and how I, you know, maintain my blood sugar. And um, I, I I mean, I literally cried when, when I saw the technology really truly work. Um, so if you are in a situation where you need something like this, uh, definitely look into this specific option dexcom is another solution i I did not choose to go that route because the sensors are only as I understand it and I could be wrong are only seven day sensors and i I d- didn't want to have to change them out at, that as often um, i i I'm just saying it's it's truly one of the most innovative things that I've purchased in a very very long time and frankly, I didn't have to spend a dime for it. It's covered under my insurance, which is even which is even better. So just something to think about. Um, you know, I, I I ranked it, I tweeted about this. I ranked it right up there with with the iPhone. I think that's how life-changing, at least for me, it was. Uh, you can get a hold of me on Twitter by following me at Jeff Bishop, J-E-F-F-B-I-S-H-O-P, or you can email me at Jeff at Jeffbishop.com.
0: So Jeff, one question on on that device before we move on. Yeah. Uh, when the sensors expire, how do you remove the sensor?
1: Oh, this is very interesting. I I, I think I know, but I'm not honestly sure. I, it's it's um, so the the, the sensor uh, uh, has a little needle in it, and it also has a a sticky residue, you know, kind of thing on it, so it sticks to your arm but we also bought these uh they look like um, a band-aid with a hole in the middle the sensor itself is about the size of three quarters stacked on top of each other that's about how high it 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 sits uh and um so we put this this thing over top to help secure it to keep it in in place my understanding is is that you simply just very gently you know uh you know pull the pull the sensor away um, it's, it's, it's not hugely injected into your arm. It doesn't even really hurt. I will say that the applicator is big that, the, that you use to inject this into your, you know, arm, but it's, um, it, it, it did not hurt at all. I was surprised by that. Cause when I first saw it, I was like, Oh my God, how big is that needle? <laughs> Cause it, it makes it look like you're injecting this just behemoth of a thing into your arm. And that's not the case. It's just, uh, you know, so don't get too excited when you see it because the box it even comes in looks really big.
0: <laughs> Interesting. I'll, I'll
1: know more about this in about three day, uh, two days, because I have to change my first sensor uh, on Monday night.
0: Interesting. Okay. All right, Allison. What is your pick for this week, and where can people find you online?
3: Well, while we're on a on like a health kick here, I am. Uh, I'm participating in a weight loss program through my insurance provider, so I'm trying to make sure I get more exercise, trying to make sure I do a little bit more throughout the day. I work in a very sedentary job. And while I'm, you know taking my dog out and stuff and walking a little bit at lunch, I want to be able to to do a bit more. So I got a very interesting little underneath the desk elliptical. Um, it's basically just a set of elliptical, pedals on a little machine that sits under your desk and you just sit in your chair. There are little wheel locks for your chair so you don't slide back. Um, and you can pedal on this little elliptical while you're sitting. It, it's not meant to be stood on at all. Um, in fact, they warn you not to in the in the instructions. Um, and it's called a Um a C-U-B-I-I. Um, I got the QB Pro because it Bluetooths to my phone um, it syncs with health. It does all kinds of all kinds of actually strikes that, I'm not sure actually if it syncs with health. I'm still trying to find out in theory, it is supposed, supposed to sync to. with health. I don't know if it's doing that right now. Is the app yeah. accessible? the app is is kind of a nightmare <laughs> oh. I will be doing an unboxing uh, of
2: one of these shortly when I get mine. um and cool, hopefully, I'll be showing off the app.
3: Yeah, I mean with some with some practice you can find out, you know, like how many It's easy to find out things like how many strides you've gone um, overall. It's easy to find out something like how many calories you've burned overall. I don't know how to break it down by day or by incidence, you know, depending on if you go for like 15 minutes or so. Um, It's apparently for visual people. It has a little if you have the app open while you're going, it actually has like a little cyclist going down the street. Um, and it shows different scenes and stuff. Um, you can find out while you're going how many revolutions per minute you're going in the uh, hmm. in the app, so that's kind of fun. Um, I love it. I have actually set it to now Resistance Level 2 um, because I'm finding that Level 1 is, is a little too easy now. So it's very simple. It doesn't actually have the only really button it has on it. You plug it in, and the only button button it has is just this knob where you use where you uh, set the resistance level and all the way to the left which is how it ships is resistance level one you just click it up to the next resistance level it clicks very finally and audibly when you've gone to the next uh, resistance level—you can really feel it. So I'm liking it. It was 349, well spent, and uh, yeah, that's my pick. As far as where you can find me, you can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can follow me on Twitter to find out about some other projects I'm involved in as well. That is hot for technology. That's hot. The number four technology. And you can email me at Allison. That's A-L-L-I-S-O-N at iAccessibility dot net.
1: Allison, um, when you opened up the QB app, did it actually prompt about health uh, permissions?
3: No, it never did. And that's why I'm concerned that it's not syncing. I'm going to take another dig around in settings, but um, Mm. it did not. Mine
2: hasn't either, but I don't have mine yet, my device yet. So I want to wait to see until I get it.
0: Interesting. All right. Aliyah, what is your pick, and where can people find you?
2: My pick this week is a actually a um, beta test. And I know I can talk about this because it's pretty publicly available. They, in fact, encourage people to talk about this and get more people to try it. It is a game that will be released hopefully next year by Falling Squirrel Games. It is called The Veil. It is an audio game, kind of think, the bl- a blind legend meets a hero's call. Um, completely usable Whoa. with a game controller. And there is just a piece of the game out for testers right now. And you can sign up. I'll try to find the sign-up form and put it in our show notes if you'd like to sign up. This is a Windows game, and there is information about it on audiogames.net, and you can find Falling Squirrel on Facebook and Twitter as well. So, with that being said, I don't want to spoil too much about it, so... Check it out. Please help them test. They do ask you to fill out a form at the end and give them some feedback. So if you can, please please help them test and help develop the next, hopefully the next big game. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do so. I can be found producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at Aaliyah. That's A-L-E-E-H-A at iAccessibility.net. And you can follow me on Twitter at BlindCowGirl199.
0: All right. So my pick this week is something I'm using right now. And that is my Beats Studio 3 headphones. I love these headphones so much that they're over the... they're. Uh, Over-the-ear uh, headphones with some Technically of... Technically around. Around, yeah. Around-ear headphones with some of the best noise cancellation that I've seen. And I have these. These are... Uh, the headphones themselves are black. The They have a blue accent. And they have several different colors, so you could pick what you like. 40, 40 hours of battery life with uh, noise cancellation off. And uh, 20 with it on, which is an amazing amount of battery life. I use it with my Nintendo Switch, with uh, my gaming computer, all kinds of stuff. And the sound is great. Good bass. Just is awesome. So that is my pick for this week because they are just great headphones. Um, I don't think I own a better set of headphones. So with that being said, you could find me producing content for eye accessibility. Uh, you can find me by searching for me on Twitter. I am Mike Doeys on Twitter, on Facebook. You can search for me as Michael Doeys. You can email me at Mike Doeys at iaccessibility.net. That's M I K E D O I S E at iaccessibility.net. And I'm over all over the web and on other, on other podcasts, which I can't talk about just yet, but I'm very excited about and just all over the place. So just Google my name and, uh, You'll find me. So, uh, yep. All right. If you want to find iAccessibility, you can at iAccessibility.net. We are iAccessibility1 on Twitter. If you want to find us on Facebook, you can. Just search for iAccessibility. You can use our app to get information, I the iOS iAccessibility app, which now has shortcuts. Woo-hoo! was released, and so you can actually uh, use shortcuts to play our latest episodes or toggle the live stream. So, awesome stuff. So, you can have Siri start playing this recording, or next week's recording, or any week's recording. So, awesome stuff there. I love our app. It's really great. Um, Even I, who built the app, use it to listen to our content and to see what's going on. So, We have pages on all the social networks you can search for us online uh we even have a tumblr blog we are on patreon patreon.com iacast if you want to uh listen to some of our outtakes we'll be posting more soon and we have a youtube channel that's about to be updated very soon and we also have uh, uh an email so you can send us feedback feedback at iaccessibility.net and we have our twitter hashtag at iacast the Hashtag IACast to leave us feedback. So we enjoy doing this show. This was one of our longer shows. I think it was great. I really want to thank Jeff, Allison and Leah for being here. It's been great. Everybody on the stream who's been here and we're going to do a computer maintenance show soon as well. So it's really awesome. We may give you all a break to, you know, talk about something else. So you're not bored off our podcast. Um, And talk about something else but we will get back to that topic but uh, yeah it's been a great episode thank you guys so much for being here and we will see you next time bye everybody bye Bye, everybody guys Copyright 2018, iAccessibility, LLC.
2: Geek, geek.